please, uh, if you have a Bible with you, the words will come up, but it's always good to, if you've got a Bible with you, to, to, to look it up. Um, uh, Luke chapter 8. Um, and we are, as I said last week, we are starting a series um, today, um, from last week on the parables of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. Okay, The parables of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. We will be looking at various parables throughout this term. There will be a couple of Sundays where we do something different, but essentially we will be doing that between now and Christmas. Um, there are certain parables that are unique to Luke, like the parable of the Good Samaritan, it's unique to Luke. The parable of the prodigal son, it's unique to Luke. But there's also so, uh, many parables that you'll find also in Matthew and Mark. Um, you won't find them in John because John is, is written in a very different style from the other Gospels. Um, Matthew, Mark and Luke are called the synoptic Gospels, which means common view. So they tell the story of Jesus from a common view. Um, John is off-piste. John is out of the box. It's a very different... It's, it's, clearly, it's clearly about the same person, and the teaching is consistent, but it's clearly communicated in a very, very different kind of way. Um, but you'll find um, today's parable we're going to look at in a moment, the parable of the sower, you'll find that also in Matthew and in Mark. So when you have these parables um, that are in, in, in all of, in all of the, the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, it's worth just taking note of that in the sense of it got included in all those three um, you might, they might be approached as, I guess, a bit more like mainline or mainstream parables that we, we should all be very, very uh, familiar with. Now, one more thing before we get into it. Um, the word parable just means really similarity. It's really just saying, here's a spiritual truth, but I'm going I'm to explain, I'm going to show you what it's like. And then what Jesus would do, he would take very common everyday things and say, this spiritual truth is a bit like this. And that's really, that's really all it is. But sometimes it would really clarify matters. Sometimes it would confuse matters. Okay, and, and sometimes that was for good reason. So when you're reading the parable, it's good to read what came just before it very often. Sometimes there's no clues in that at all. But sometimes um, the clues actually help you understand what Jesus is doing. Because uh, Jesus is not someone you can easily caricature. You can't easily pigeonhole him. And so whenever people say things like, Jesus was always... Dot, dot, dot. Always press pause at that moment and say to yourself, was he? And just check, because probably sometimes he was, but sometimes he was probably very different. Um, in the sense that his character is consistent, but his approach is multi-layered and really not formulaic. And Jesus knew who he was talking to, and his tone would be impacted by that, and his approach would be impacted by that. Because some people he's, he's seeing pride, so he's resisting them with his teaching. Other people, he's saying they're broken. They, you know, one one more hard hard word and they'll they'll snap forever. So he's very very tender. Some 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 people, he's you know he's he's bringing a really strong message. That's what they got to hear. Other people, he's bringing stuff that's a bit more subtle. So it's important that we don't um, pigeonhole Jesus. You'll end up with the wrong Jesus. Okay, you'll end up with just your own idea of who he is. So it's really really important as we as we look at these parables today. Today we're going to look. So Luke chapter eight. We're going to go from verse. Four, and I'm going to read verse four to verse eight and say some things on that, and then we're going to do it in chunks like last week. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for leaving us the scriptures. We we just we love the consistency of your word that it says the same thing day in day out because it teaches us of of your consistency and your faithfulness. And, and thank you, Lord, that many things change. 
on, on a big scale and on a small scale, but you don't. And we delight in your truth and your timeless truth. Help me communicate it in a timely way. Holy Spirit, I offer my uh, gifts and talents to you. I say, please use them. And I pray for all those that are listening that you would really give them a heart to hear what you are saying. Real discernment to what you are saying, we pray. For the glory of Jesus, amen. Amen. So Luke chapter 8, verse 4. So when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed and he sowed. Some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, the the, the thing I want to draw your attention to in terms of context here is is simply this from verse 4. When a great crowd was gathering. It's important to understand that certain times when a crowd gathers, Jesus takes his teaching and he goes, he he raises the bar. He he begins to say things that make people go, or make people go, "Mm." the reason why. It's because essentially Jesus isn't after crowds for the sake of crowds. Crowds can make us feel good, right? You've got crowds of people following you online or whatever. You can feel, wow, look, these people really want to hear what I'm saying. Let me say some more things that will make that crowd get even bigger. It's not Jesus' approach. When the crowds come, he, 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 not, he takes it up a notch. Because essentially, it's not just after a huge crowd of people kind of superficially excited about what he's doing, free fish, free bread, you know, um, this is great, you know? He's not after that. He's after, so, so he gathers crowds, or crowds gather. Actually, he actually doesn't, crowds gather, because he's doing miracles and saying amazing things. When the crowds gather, he then says, look, this is really what I'm about. And this is really what the kingdom of God is about. And when he, when he does that, you'll often find that the crowds then shrink. And that's okay. It's okay when the crowds shrink. Okay? Because though Jesus does want a big bride, and that's great, he doesn't just want a crowd of people filling the room because there's free fish and free bread or free miracles or whatever. He's looking for a devoted people. He's looking for disciples. And so it's important, that, that's, the, that's an important context to notice in terms of Jesus' teaching. If you read about it in Mark and in Matthew, you'll see both of them draw attention to the fact that the crowds were gathering. So he tells this story. Now, how many of you in this room know this story? Put your hand up if you think, I'm familiar with this parable. Wave it loud and proud. And then everyone else look around. Right, that's probably about 90% at least. Because of that, when I just read that parable, most of you know what it means. You know, it's about the seed being the message and all of that. Listen, These people didn't know this. So please can we just rewind and get into their shoes for just a minute, all right? Imagine I turn up and I say, a sower went out to sow his seed and he sowed. Some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock and as it grew up it withered away because it had no moisture. Some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. I'll catch you later, guys. Yeah, which is essentially what happens. He tells this, there's no explanation. It doesn't happen. Even the disciples are like, 
Okay. <laughs> there was a sower. <laughs> there was a sower. Right. And he sowed this seed. Okay. No one knows what he's talking about. Which it's actually, it's actually important. But then Jesus says this. He says, Listen, this is important. He says, hear as ears to hear. Let him hear. And everyone at this point is going, I don't think I've got ears. <laughs> I'm, everyone's thinking, oh no. Now this saying about heaven ears to hear is really important you understand a bit of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the Bible uh, before Jesus came. So, so it's basically everything up to Malachi. From Genesis to Malachi is the Old Testament. And you'll find this phrase quite a lot through the Old Testament. If you've got ears to hear, hear, you'll, you'll find that phrase. Now what it's referring to is this. The people of God, the Hebrews in the Old Testament, um, their history with God was not consistent and, and was really very, very up and down. And what they often seemed to do was turn away from the Lord, the living God who created all things. And they would turn to gods of their own making, gods of their own design called idols. So they would either buy into like, well, they'd often buy into the idols of the local people around them. And people in those days had gods for everything. Gods of the hills, gods of the plains, gods of the silver, gods of gold, gods of sex and fertility, gods of money. I mean, gods for everything. And they would often buy into that and they'd have little statues representing those gods. And the prophets, God would raise up prophets in the Old Testament and they would say things like this. Look, you've got the living God as your God. Now you've turned away from him. You've turned to a dumb idol. You've turned to an idol that cannot see when you had the living God who sees everything. You've turned and you're praying to an idol that cannot hear when you had God who can hear everything and a God who can't speak when you had the God who speaks. And so then what the prophets would say is this. Essentially, there's a principle in the Bible, which is this. You become like what you worship. That's the principle. Whatever you worship, whatever you hold most dear in your heart, you are transformed into that image. And so the prophets would say, you are now spiritually blind. You are now spiritually deaf. You've got nothing to say anymore. Because you've turned away from the living God and you've turned to dead gods that are not gods at all, but simply the imagination of men. And so when Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear, right? This, isn't, this wasn't a random quote. This is like, oh, hold on a minute, we remember this. Jesus is speaking to Jewish people who have got their scriptures and they would have heard this quote time and time again throughout from Moses, from Isaiah and others like that. So it's really important we understand that's what's going on. So then in verse 9, let's now read what, what happens next, verse 9 onwards. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, and we, if, you, if you read in the other Gospels, you'll find out that it was at a later period. So now it's just Jesus and the disciples. When his disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, to, now listen, you've got to follow me here because this is a little bit like what? He says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. Now, let me, before we get into that, then explains the parable. What is Jesus saying there? Well, I'm going to turn to Isaiah in just a moment to show you. Many of you that are familiar with the Bible, you know the story of when Isaiah saw a vision of God and he sees God in his glory and his temple and he feels undone. And then God says, you know, who's going to go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And so God commissions Isaiah to be a prophet for him. And God says this to him in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Isaiah says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go and say to this people. So go and say to the Hebrew people, Keep on hearing, but don't understand. Keep on seeing, but don't perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears 
and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And I said, how long, O Lord? And then he said, until cities lie, lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste and the Lord removes people far away. Now what's going on? Here's what's going on. God is saying to Isaiah, these people, I've constantly reached out my hands to them for, with mercy and grace. They constantly turn into other gods and now the time of judgment has come. And so they are now under my judgment. So I'm commissioning you to speak to them, but at the same time, I'm hardening them so they won't get it. And I was, I was like, oh, great deal. <laughs> That's a rough deal if you're, if you're that prophet. You know, he goes, well, how long? And God says, until, until the time when my judgment has been fully worked out on them. And so this is, the, this is a hard truth, but it is, it is true. In this situation, these people had turned away from God again and again and again. In the end, when you turn away from God that much, sometimes he just says, fine, have it your way. He gives you over to what you've chosen. It's the judgment of God. That's how it works out. God says, if you really want to go your way, you really don't want my wisdom, you don't want my grace, go your way. And that's God's judgment. And, 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 and it manifests very often in just this kind of sense of, you don't get it. Spiritual senses are clouded over you see and so back to Luke Jesus is saying Jesus is saying this listen he's saying right now in this moment to his disciples it's been given to you to get it okay whereas at the moment in this right moment now where Jesus is talking he's saying the crowds aren't going to get it but in another part of the gospels Jesus says to his disciples what you've heard whispered in your ears shout from the rooftops and what happens is, during, through this kind of season of Jesus coming, dying on the cross and being raised from the dead, the whole atmosphere changes from judgment to grace. Right? Which is why the Bible says that today is the day of God's favour. Today is the day of salvation. God is reaching out, not just to the Hebrew people now, but to the whole earth, Jew and Gentile. And his, his arms are open wide in Christ saying, do you know what? I have given my my love is such for you that I have given myself to you. Hebrew people, you've, you've kind of played the adulteress in that sense over these years. Gentile people, all you've ever known is idolatry and worshipping false gods. What have I done in response to that? I've sent my one and only son and given him up on it to die on a cross for you. That is my, I want you back. And so now the proclamation goes out. Now we have in this book the explanation of these parables so we know what they mean. Now we are living in this age of favour and grace. Now is the time to get saved, brothers and sisters. Now is the time to come to, to, come to God, to, to bow the knee, to confess your sins. Because you will not be judged, you will be forgiven. But don't mock God. Don't do that stupid, oh, I'll, I'll turn to God on my deathbed and all of that. Please, God... Do not be deceived, the Bible says. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he will reap. To have favour, opportunity from God for full forgiveness in Christ as a gift, an eternal life, an adoption and relationship with God, all as a free gift because of the tremendous cost his son paid, is not to be sniffed at. And is not to be looked down upon and is not to be taken for granted, but is to be, we are, it's so right that we come and we sing and we praise and we worship. This is an incredible message of grace. So here we go then. Now this is the explanation of this parable. Are you grateful now that you get to understand it? You should be. So it's the grace of God. So here we go. Verse 11. The parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So the seed is the message. The word of God, the message of God, which is essentially in one word, all the Sunday school kids put their hand up and said, Jesus. Okay. 
Jesus is the, the subject, the object. Jesus is the central theme of the word of God. Okay? He's the king of the kingdom. He's the righteous one of God's righteousness. He's the wisdom of God. It's all about him. He is the good news. Okay? He is the gospel. His life, his death, his resurrection, his, his ascension, his reign, his return. It's all about Jesus. So this is the seed. Okay? The word of God, the message of God, the logos, Jesus. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their, from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who hear in the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. So, four categories of people Jesus points to. Notice what he's doing, he's got a crowd, but he's, he, he knows. He's, he, there's nothing naive about Jesus. He's innocent as a dove, he's not naive. He understands that people respond to him in very different ways. And it's a very, very, once he's explained it, you go, ah, get it. And that helps us get to that point where we can understand and we can ask the question, who am I? Who am I? Who will I be? You see, there's something extraordinary about this seed. Within this seed of Jesus is everything. Just in this one seed is everything for a life that can become so enriched and so multiplied and so extraordinary that it's almost like a hundred lives in one. It's like a life that can, that, can be, that can be so full of the presence of Jesus Christ that, that actually when all is said and done and that life has been lived, everyone looks on and goes, man, alive, how did they do that? How were they that patient? How did they suffer that for that long? How were they that bold? How did they carry that many people in their heart? How did they hold firm against that kind of pressure? What is that? It looks that one person can't do that. I'm not sure ten can do that. That was like a hundred people's efforts. It's the presence of Jesus Christ. You see, the, the seed and what grows is always essentially the same thing, even though it looks very different. And so, you know, the message of Jesus gets sown in you. Someone preaches the gospel. You hear it. Don't get a tiny little thing. You might, hear, you might hear a little conversation you wasn't even aimed at you. You heard it on the bus about Jesus. And something went, dunk. And you thought, I can't shake this. I can't shake this. This is brand new. Maybe you were channel flicking and you, you, got to, you got to God TV and your remote control broke. <laughs> and you're trying to fix it. And a little bit of Jesus came out and went, dunk. And it got in. And you're like, oh. It's that seed. It's all this little seed. You can hear the tiniest bit of the gospel and it can lead you to salvation. I don't know about you, I was not theologically correct when I first got saved. Do you know what I mean? I, you know, I knew, I, I said yes to Jesus. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't even know why, but I said yes to Jesus. And he's like, okay, that'll do. Yep, I'm right. Uh, I'm involved. I gave him the reins. And then after that, I learned about sanctification, all these long words you sing about. Then I learned about all of that. But I was a new creation because I said yes to Jesus. And then the miracle had happened, you see. And so there's something about this seed that is extraordinary. Extraordinary, Jesus. But 
the effect of this seed does hang on the soil that it falls in. Seed on a path just continues to look like a seed. Seed in good soil, you go, what is this harvest? What is, what is this? Same seed. So we've got, to, we've got to reflect on this. So number one then, I want to just draw attention to, to just a few minutes on each one. Jesus makes it very clear. The ones along the path, they've heard, the devil comes. There you go. The devil comes and takes it away so they don't believe in their heart. That is the Bible's teaching. It's not the, it's not the entirety of the Bible's teaching, but it is the Bible's teaching. The Apostle Paul says the same thing in the letter to the Corinthians. He says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, even if our gospel is veiled, i.e. not understood, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, which is a term he uses for Satan, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This is the Bible's teaching. The devil is real. We don't focus on the devil, but we will talk about him. He is a real spirit personality bent on opposing God and doing all he can to destroy that which is of God and good. And one of the ways he does that is that he will look to do what he can to rob and steal in some ways, however he can, that gospel which gets sown into the heart. Could be with plausible arguments, could be could be, could be just be using really negative, cynical, unbelieving, dismissive people. Could be sowing fears into your mind. If you come to know Jesus, what's that? What's going to happen in your life there? What will happen in that relationship? Anything to rob, to steal, to get it away from you, so that it won't really take root and grow. So we need to be discerning. And when those of us who love Jesus, and we think about those that we love who don't yet know Jesus, that's why we got to pray. Because this is a spiritual reality going on here. It's not just psychological or on a human level. This is spiritual reality. So we've got to pray for those who don't seem to get it or grasp and say, Lord, Lord Jesus, we just declare that you are Lord. We pray that you would stop any work of darkness from robbing this person, these people, from coming to know the gospel. Amen? It's just reality. And um, I want to say to you, if you've, maybe you've never believed, you've never, you've never got hold of it. I want to say to you, listen, there's stuff going on. Spiritually, there's probably beyond anything you've ever even thought or heard about. Um, it's, not just, it's not just on a human level, this stuff. Um, but the Lord loves you, and he wants you to turn away from your sin and find forgiveness. He really does. He wants you to find that and to find that in him, that you might enjoy this amazing harvest. Category number two. This is fascinating. So this one falls into soil, but it's, what happens is Jesus says initially when he tells it in a mysterious way, he doesn't get enough moisture. And then, um, and, then, and then when he explains it, he says it has no root. Now, why, why, what is that? Well, I have renovated my garden recently, which makes me the most agriculturally wise person in the whole church, okay? Because <laughs> you're not all urban. So I know about these things now. Actually, I don't. I have to look it up online. But what happens is when you've got, when you got with the seed, so a seed has essentially just got the protective case around it. Inside that, you've basically got a miniature plant. And also what you've got is some supplements within inside the casing to keep that plant going until it really properly takes root and grows. Okay, That's how it works. So when a seed gets sown into the soil, into the ground, it then waits for moisture. When enough moisture gets in, then the, then the root can break out from the bottom. It's fascinating. It just knows. It knows which way's up. No one knows how. So, so it, it then breaks out and it, and, it, and it goes down. Once that's gone down, 
then the thing can begin to break up and come up upwards in that direction. Okay? So the moisture releases the root. So when Jesus says it lacked moisture, and then later he says it had no roots because the two things are linked. And so what is, going, what is this about? Like, let's take it away out of agriculture now and talk about just our lives. Essentially, do you remember that scripture where Paul says, I sowed and another watered? Do you remember that? I sowed this, this, the, the gospel in you, Corinthians, but other people watered, Apollos and Peter. And what he's saying is, is this, is that when you first hear the gospel, something goes in, someone sows, okay? But then that seed needs watering, which means ongoing Input, ongoing Christian input. And, um, you know, I've asked Jed if, uh, if I can draw attention to his story. Those of you who haven't had a chance to read his testimony uh, since the baptism, just a wonderful testimony, really worth a read. But I remember he made reference to the fact that, that um, there came a moment where he kind of felt like he was waking up spiritually. And then he said it in his testimony and then randomly started to look into Buddhism. Um, just, just, you know, it's probably not that random. I think it's one of the most popular philosophies in our culture at the moment and, 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 and you know on the surface on the surface there's a lot to commend itself but then he said I start, but then I started doing these bible studies with Frank what's that called? that's called watering and so the seed that had been sowed was then actually getting watered which then at some point released the root which then released the flower and now we've got this dear brother of your Love seeing the new life in, in, in full explosion. So there is so important that if we're if we're talking to people and then, and, they, and and God's at work, they want to know more. I'm not talking about shoving spiritual stuff down people's throats. They're people who want to know more. There's conversation going. Send them to some good audios, some good videos. Get a good booklet or book to them. You're watering what God is doing. Okay, there's just a spiritual reality there where something's gone in spiritually, but it needs to be watered for the root to be released. So it's ever so important. But I would, I would say to us in this room, because you might be someone, because Jesus says here, when he talks about it in, in the explanation, he says that, um, he says, you know, that they, they, they believe for a while and then fall away when testing comes. If there's no root, when it gets hard being a Christian, you'll fall away. Okay, so it's ever so important that you get rooted in Christ, which means taking all the water you can. Feed on the truth in whatever way you can do. You might say, I'm not a reader. Get some audio in. Or it's boring. I need to see it as well. Get some video in. Get water what God is doing in your life and in your soul. Look after what God is doing so that you get rooted in Christ. And then when you're rooted in Christ, when the the cold winds start to blow spiritually, guess what? You're still there afterwards. Because if you're not rooted, it, it can be a different ending. You just got. You didn't see that person again. What happened to them? Oh, they hit some hardship. They hit some pressure, but they disappeared. Yeah, why? There was nothing under the surface. The roots got to go down. So we got to attend to that. We don't want to be in this category, right? Then we got category three. This is the one where the root goes down. It's all good, but guess what? The soil's not clear. The so- there's other stuff in the soil, weeds, and, and how does Jesus explain or describe these weeds? He describes them as cares, riches, and pleasures. I mean, each one is a sermon, folks, so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be disciplined. We've got to, we've got to, oh, I'm over time already. We started late. It's not my fault. Okay, um, <laughs> listen, you've got, to hear, you've got to hear this stuff. This is life and death. I mean, this is life and death. Cares, the cares of this life, paying your rent. You know, just the cares of this life, that relationship, what's going on, these things that are real and they matter, but they can weigh you down. 
They can weigh you down so that, so that whereby once, you know, you were living in the reality of them, but you were running for Jesus. Suddenly you're not, you're walking for Jesus and then you're limping for Jesus and then you're not doing anything for Jesus because he's just got on top of you. And we've got to help each other with this and God will give us grace with this. But if you just allow the cares of this life to accumulate and accumulate in your inner world, in your heart and in your mind, it will have an impact. It will begin to choke what God is doing. You won't be ready to go when God says it. You won't be, re- you won't be ready to travel light in this life. You'll be weighed down. That's not what we signed up for. We signed up for adventure. And even if that adventure is staying in the same place your whole life, well, so be it. Praise God. Let's do it for his glory. It's not about where you go and bucket lists, but it's about having that spirit where you say, I'm not weighed down with stuff. Way down with cares. We've got to attend to stuff. We've got to be responsible. Yes, yes, yes. But if it, when it starts to fill the horizon, Jesus doesn't want that for us. So guys, we've got to look at that and we've got to be urgent in that. We mustn't get sidetracked by that. The second one is riches. Money. I mean, it's not about how much you've got or how much you haven't got. It's what's going on in your heart. Do you love it? Do you love it? God entrusts some with more than others. God calls some to give it all up. And others, he wants them to be vessels and channels for lots of money to to, to go through. Everyone's calling is different in this. But if anyone loves money, or if anyone is looking to money to do for them what only God can do, you love it, I tell you, it will choke what God is doing in you. It will choke what God... Think for a moment about all the things that money promises You write them down in a little notepad. Do it one day this week. What does money promise? And then look, I can guarantee you everything on that list is what God promises. When it manifests like that, it's a false God. It's an idol. It will choke your spiritual life. Learn to live simply. Paul says, if we've got shelter and we've got food, with this we'll be content. Well, this will be content. If you you want to be one of them Christians who loves money, you're not going to get on well here. It's not going to be good fun for you. Because we're, we're not about that. We're not, about, we don't, we're not scared of money. We don't hate money. Money is a neutral thing. But it can get a hold in your heart. So we've got to watch out for that. We want to be those who invest. Whatever large or little God gives us into eternity. It's massive. Massively important. And then finally, pleasures. I mean, the Bible does say God gives us all things for our enjoyment. It's not that God is a pleasure killer. I mean, God gives us all things for our enjoyment. He loves that we enjoy the good things of his creation. Yeah? But the human heart has only got enough room to really love one thing. Like, really love. Only one thing can be at the top. And if pleasure of any, other, if pleasure of any kind is at the top, it will choke what God's doing in your life. If it's just, the, I don't know, the pleasure of power or, or sexual pleasure... These things, you know, pleasure of kind of uh, lures of different things. You just feel, now that, you know, that, that really gets my heart racing. That, that I, will, I will shift everything out of the way to get to that. I want to warn you. I want to warn you. I want to plead with you as I plead for my, you know, with myself because we're all made of the same stuff. We've got, we've got to fight. We've got to fight for freedom from that. Okay, because pleasures can choke what God's doing. Thank God. If we, can, if we can enjoy the blessings of God, we do all things for the glory of God and, and, and enjoy those things, that's wonderful. But as soon as they move into a different realm where, where, where they're competing, then we, we're going to lose it. You know when you like when you lose your spark. Some of you sitting there thinking, that's me. Lost my spiritual spark. You know, there's reasons. Let's not get vague. There's reasons. Ask the Holy Spirit, what is it, Lord? 
Repent. Take drastic action. Call in friends to support you and walk out of that. Basically, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to pick up, I'm going to get that weed out, but I'm not going to just, you know, we all know, expert gardener again, here I go, right? Can't just, can't just pull off the weed at the surface there. What you've got to do, you've got to get there. So what is this thing really about? And you get down, you pull the thing out, and when there's all this stuff down, you go, yes, that won't be growing back there. You know, we've got to, we've got to be willing to go beyond the surface. So what's really driving this? Why am I so enslaved to that? Why does that grip me like that? Lord, have mercy. Help me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Do whatever you've got to do. We're not, it's not navel-gazing. It's saying, Lord, deal with me deeply. I'm looking at you. I don't know how to sort myself out, but I'm looking to you. I want to be accountable and open to others. You, know, you get the picture. And then we've got the good soil. Let's not stop for a look at the good soil. I love this. All you've got to do, listen, hold the seed fast. Hold it fast in an honest and good heart. So stay honest. Don't, right, just stay true. And you'll bear fruit with patience. It won't come overnight, but you will bear fruit. Okay? It's not rocket science. It's not like, you know, we're, we're quite a complicated kind of, you know, I don't know. I suppose some people might look at our country and say, oh, you're quite advanced. And sometimes we just get into weird stuff. It's like, tell me, tell me what the... No, it's simple. Hold Jesus fast and hold him true. And do that for decades. And the presence of Jesus will begin to manifest out of you a hundredfold. Bringing life and light and shade and blessing and service to others around the globe until the day you go and be with Jesus in glory. Just do that. Let's not complicate it. There's details you've got to attend to, but at his heart, this is what it is. And then the final, final bit, and I'll literally I'll be about a minute on this because I don't really understand it anyway. So... Uh, <laughs> I've given it a bit of thought, but it is a bit complicated, to be fair. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. That bit's pretty straightforward. Jesus is saying, look, you guys, you're, you're being let in on this stuff right now. You're the ones who are being let in. You know, There's a time coming. Make sure that you, that you shine it, that you let it out because... Because there's some things that are a little bit hidden in parables. This thing's going public. So it's all going to come out in the open. But then he says to them, take care then how you hear. Which I think is, is, is you can sum up the whole parable in, that one, in those few words. Take care how you hear. Those four categories. Take care. Take care. Okay. Don't nod and smile. Yes, Steph. And then, oh, service is finished now. No, please. Take care how you hear. Care about it. Think about it. But this bit, this bit is an unusual bit. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. That's an ouch moment, that's called. <laughs> These ouch moments in Jesus' teaching, you go, what the? Um, essentially, if you've been, this is how I'm going to apply it. Because I think it's fair, but I'm sure, there's, I'm sure there's more to it. Essentially, if you're in on this thing, okay, if you are in on this thing, don't hide what God is doing in you. Don't apologize for what God is doing in you. Okay? Let God abundantly bless you so that you can walk in a hundredfold harvest, fruit, blessing. If you do that for his glory, some people may get envious and jealous, but it doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. Point to him the whole time okay, and allow him to be glorified through it. But don't hide what God is doing under a bushel. Don't, out of some sort of false humility, let it shine. Let it shine because it will be a source of blessing and life to many, many people. Amen.